A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual, nor intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. There's no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all individuals or will yield positive outcomes. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast, a podcast from parents to parents to help us teach the next generation about money. Now, today's podcast is brought to you by Arc Athletics, a New York City-based fitness and athletic training facility. So to keep your young athletes healthy and injury-free during the winter sports season, you can get tips and watch videos on arcathletics.com. Uh, we are so excited to have with us today Julie Hupp, a certified financial planner at Aspire Planning Group in Chicago. So Julie, thank you for being on on the Kaching with Jane King podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I love uh, I love talking about some of these topics. So um, thank you very much. They are very important topics and um, something that actually kind of keeps me up at night. I have two little ones, an eight and a 10 year old, and uh, paying for college is absolutely terrifying. So <laughs> let's start with, do you have any kind of headline advice that you give to parents who are saving money for college? Well, first of all, I'm glad you are terrified <laughs> because uh, it, it is it is it is a huge investment um, and and really one that people do need to start thinking about pretty early. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll too often have people come in and their kids are much older and they really haven't started thinking about it. So, you know, kudos to you to be worried, but also hopefully start doing something um, about it. So, you know, I guess you, you had mentioned kind of what advice to parents. It, it really depends on the age of the kids. You know, it, it, each age has has a different way to look at it, depending on what you've done so far. And so you kind of need to really separate it from from there. But the, the, the biggest thing I'd probably say to start with is if you're if you're in a if you're in a relationship, um, you know, when and even if you're divorced, the, the both parents really need to be part of this. But have a real conversation about what what goals do you have for your kids for college? You know, what do you want to be able to help them with? Because I think that that's kind of the biggest point of the biggest starting point is understanding what do we want to be able to help our kids with, you know, and just helping with college. It's a lot different saying I'm going to help with like, 
10,000 versus I'm going to fund them wherever they want to go. I see. Well, and I I actually taught a college class, believe it or not, uh, when I was in West Lafayette, Indiana at Purdue, which is my alma mater. And one thing I noticed was that the kids that actually had some financial skin in the game, I mean, even if it was buying their books or even if they were paying for everything or working a part-time job, they got more out of college. And I I made a mental note to myself, I'm going to make my kids pay for part of the college because I think they'll get more out of it. I totally agree. And I think I think it makes them a little bit more thoughtful about the selection. Um, I actually have a child in college and I have one going. So we're kind of in the midst of this. And, you know, I always tell parents, some of the parents who say, well, we really don't want our kids to have have any debt or, or whatever. That's great. But they don't need to know that. Right. Like like help them like maybe think they have more skin in the game. And then if you want to maybe pay for more things after school's over, but they do, they are more thoughtful, the more respectful of your money. And it could be that they're just responsible for all their spending money, right? So each family unit kind of can decide that, but I totally agree. I think that the kids who are covering certain pieces of it just have a different work ethic and, and respect for what's going on. Yeah. So Julie, what if your child is 17 years old and you don't have a dime saved for college? What do you do? Okay. So this, this is, there's the first thing you probably need to do is as a family, you need to calculate what's called your EFC, which is expected family contribution. So this is, this, this number comes out of doing your FAFSA, which is, is kind of the standard financial form that every family has to complete to see if they're going to be eligible for any aid. So um, I'm not going to go into the calculations of it because it can get very complicated. There's different online tools to do this. But once you know your expected family contribution, it kind of gives you a sense of, are we going to be expected to pay $10,000 a year, $40,000 a year, or do nothing because we really have a lot of need. So once you kind of know your expected family contribution, it, it allows you to start figuring out how do you target colleges because different colleges have different strategies with what they do for kids for, for school, like how they, how they meet need, if, if that makes sense. So I always say, think about also how your student is. Are they, are they a high merit child with low need or are they high merit with a lot of need, right? So you have to kind of look at who your child is also. And with knowing what your expected contribution is, now you can start targeting schools a little bit better. You know, I have a friend who, um, he went to a two years at a public university and then transferred to Yale in math, majored in math, graduated from Yale and works on Wall Street. And so that was one way they cut the cost. I mean, he still has his degree from Yale, uh, has a nice job on Wall Street, but, you know, didn't have to go to Yale right out of college. So for families that don't have a lot saved, that is an option, too. That's a great option. And a lot more kids are actually going to community college, which is fabulous. Now, it's what's interesting is there's some schools like Yale, like Harvard, Notre Dame. There's there's some schools that they actually meet all needs. So if you have if you have a child who's actually um, smart enough to get into some of these schools and have you have a higher need, um, those are great choices actually to apply to because even though they're a lot more expensive, if you have a need, they will meet that, which I think is fabulous. The problem is for families who don't have a need, 
but still $60,000 a year is just, even if you make a lot of money, that's just a big chunk of change. You mentioned community colleges. So I think that's just an, they've gotten kind of a bad rap, but I think those are just excellent places to get an education. And I think their job placement is actually better than universities. It's, they're fabulous. We have, we have a really, really good community college in the area where I live. And um, the job placement's excellent. They have a lot of programs that are direct admit to the four-year schools. So our local one has at least at least 20 schools that if you kind of maintain X, Y, GPA, you'll, you'll be direct admit into these other, you know, good four-year schools. So it's a great way to save money. And, and typically the students do really well because it's smaller class sizes and it's focused on teaching. Um, So one of my friends, her, her kids are two years apart and one went to a state university and the other started at the community college. And the daughter who was at the community college actually felt like she was getting a much better education than her brother did because, you know, it was more personalized teaching. Sure. And it's very practical. The, the things you learn in community college are applicable to what you're doing in the workforce. So that's what it is missing, I think, in a lot of jobs. So now, Julie, so how can parents and students find out about scholarships and grants? Is there good resources out there that they can look at? So this is this area is interesting. So many of the scholarships again, some of your grants might come if you have need, right? And so you might get some some aid through a real need, but so much of the funding is done through um, the schools. And a lot of it, they, they do it based on, on merit, but it doesn't mean you have to be kind of super bright or, I mean, you just, there's some schools out there when you're looking at scholarships, if you go, and, and I'll kind of give you specific sites I like, but um, if you go, to a certain school and you're interested in it, they will often have what we call grid scholarships. So it will say, if you have a 3.5 with a, you know, an X ACT or SAT, you automatically will get this. Like Alabama is a great example of a state school. Like, you know, exactly kind of what age you're going to get from that school. And, and there's quite a few schools out there that are like that. So for, I always say, forget what the list price is because it's never that much. They, they, you're never going to pay that much. And so, you know, understand if the school has a grid system or where, what your need is and if it's a school that meets need or not. And, and that's the best place to start is at your school. Um, one, one of the resources that, that is online that you can go to is there's a, um, a woman named Wendy Nelson, and she's got two websites. One is called mykidscollegechoice.com, and she's got a listing kind of of full-ride scholarships at different schools. And then her other one, which is meritscholarshiplist.com, kind of lists other things that are out there, out there too. Um, I think those are both kind of a, a pay for service, but very minimal cost. So, um, you know, a nice, nice con- consolidated way to get access to some scholarship information. Wendy Nelson is her name, right? Yeah. Now, is there any rule of thumb when filling out a scholarship application, like not listing parents' assets? Or, I mean, is there anything you can do to kind of improve your chances for financial aid? So scholarship, I think of more as like a lot of your local programs, you know, like the Exchange Club or Rotary, or there's those types of scholarships. But then you also have the school, the the financial aid that comes through the school. And so one, you're going to have to use whatever the schools, it's either going to be the FAFSA or there's also this profile. So if you're going to go to more of your Ivy type of schools, they may have a different form. But um, so those types of scholarships, you don't really have a whole lot of choice. They're either going to be based on need um, or just the merit you've already done. It's those other scholarships that 
uh, you know, kind of the private scholarships that that's where you have a little bit more instructions that would apply. But but the ones where you're doing it for, you know, the school aid, you just kind of have to be very careful in filling how you fill those forms out. And that's why I'd say, like, when you're filling out the FAFSA, make sure you're educated because um, there's some assets that you don't include. So, for example, you don't include retirement income or retirement funds. You don't include um you don't include annuities, things like that, but you do include things that you can get easy access to. But they don't make it very clear. So I would say go to your school's like session on learning how to fill out the FAFSA because it will, one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to figure out if they're going to get scholarships is they fill the forms out wrong because they don't understand what's included or not. So each school will have that and I would go to that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see how this could be hugely complicated. I mean, you're you're working a full-time job and you're trying to get your kids in school and you've got all these <laughs> this paperwork to fill out and, and it can be overwhelming. So I guess start early. That's a key, right? Start early, give yourself lots of time. Start early, yeah. And, you know, and I would say really, um, you know, it's not too early your freshman year really to start doing some of this. At least you can kind of go on and understand what would be our expected contribution and start having the conversation with the kids too because, they need to understand what the family is able to do, right? And a family with one child may be able to do something way different than a family with three. And so, you know, we always are, you know, is money discussed in your family or is money not discussed? And this is definitely one of those things that it should be discussed pretty early on and start setting expectations for the kids. Because just I just see way too many times where it's not, the kids just think they can kind of go anywhere they want. And that's that's not the best approach to take. Now, do parents have any negotiating room with administrators at universities? Like, could you say, look, my kid has got straight A's and loves the school and you have this great program. It's such a great match for him or her, but we just can't afford it. They will usually put forth a decent offer if, like you said, the it's a good match. It's, you know, this, they're a good student. Here's where kids have most negotiating power. When when they're in the like top 25 percent of that school's kind of incoming freshmen, like if, you know, as they apply, they have far more negotiating power and they'll get far more than if they're in, say, the bottom 25 or even in the middle. And so it's very strategic of trying to target the school where your student can really shine. And, you know, lots of studies have shown that that the kids will do far better in an environment where they're where they can thrive by being one of the kind of stronger students. Um, but yes, you can take you can take other offers to a school and say, you know, this is kind of what what they're what they're able to do. Could you get it to the same price? We'd really like to come here. And so once some of the offers start coming in, you can share that with them. It doesn't you're going to have more negotiating power, the better fit your student is academically at that school. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, uh, many parents, and I know some, and my kids are still young, but they will sacrifice everything for their kids' education. They'll um, forego vacations. They'll, um, you know, not do certain things because of their paying for the education. Do you think that's a smart strategy, or is it? Have we let the cost of education just control our lives too much? Well, if they think their kids are going to pay for them in retirement. Then, may, then maybe that is a good strategy. But in most cases, that's just never going to happen. And so I, I just think it's a huge mistake. Um, 
I, I really think parents need to control the process. Um, we all want the best for our kids, right? Like, you know, if you have kids, we get, we get it, but it's just not the best thing for the family to have that much debt. And, um, you know, I, I, I do, I have clients who are trying to retire and they're still paying off these massive loans that they took. And, um, it's, it's really impacting their ability to, stop working and have a good lifestyle. So I, I just, it's, it's not worth it. Um, kids will, will thrive really in the environment that's right for them. And that doesn't necessarily mean the most expensive or the best school. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of school choices out there that would be the right fit. And there's also tax uh, credits for education expenses as well that you can factor into the whole equation. There is. So there's that as, as you kind of look at how to pay for school, right? Like that was one of your questions. It's helpful to think about the things. So we don't often think about, well, when they're not living here, I'll have this much money because they're not going to be doing their sports or whatever, or I'm not going to be paying for food. But there's also this, you know, there's these education tax credits. So if your income is below a certain amount, and it's somewhat generous, I can't remember exactly what what the phase out is, but um you then can take a $2,500 tax credit. So that's not just a deduction, it's actually reducing your taxes by 2,500. Um, and that's really, really helpful as people think about how do we pay for school. The, the really important thing that I think people don't realize when they're trying to take that tax credit is, I'll give you an example. Let's say there's a family and they've got uh, 50,000 and a 529 that they've saved, which is a, an education saving vehicle. If the first two or three years they use all of that 529 to pay for the school, they won't be able to use that tax credit because you have to actually have tuition or you know qualified expenses that wasn't covered by that type of an account in order to use the tax credit. So you want to be able to take your, your college saving money and split it over the years so you're still leaving an amount available to access that credit. And that's why I write planning out the four years of costs and how you're going to pay for it is really important at the beginning because you want to be able to use things like that tax credit um, so that, you know, so that it, it reduces your, your overall cost. Sure. That's a very good tip. So now finally, you write a lot on this subject. Um, I know in your LinkedIn page, you have a lot of articles about this. How can someone find you if they want to find out more information about this? Everything is on my blog on my website, which is aspireplanninggroup.com. And then also I'm on LinkedIn um, at julie-hop-cfp. Um, and um, also at Twitter, we, we post most of this, which is at Aspire Plan LLC. So those, those three places, people can see things we're posting. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing this, I mean, really crucial information. Complicated, but hugely important. So thank you for being so generous with all your knowledge about this. <laughs> thank you, Jane. It's a great topic, and hopefully uh, it will encourage people to start planning earlier. Thank you, Julie Hub, Certified Financial Planner, uh, for joining us today. Also, thank you to producer Rob Schulte for helping put all this together. Uh, today's podcast brought to you by ARC Athletics, a New York City-based fitness and athletic training facility. So to keep your young athletes healthy and injury-free during the winter sports season, you can get tips and watch videos on arcathletics.com. So we love your feedback and questions. If you have any ideas for topics, we can explore those for you. We're hashtag Kids on all the socials. And that's it for now. We'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.